So welcome to the Brand and Associates podcast, Insurance Banter. In each one of our episodes, you'll experience insightful discussions that you can turn around and implement into your business to become a more effective insurance professional. And today, Chris and I are joined by Mark Robinson from uh, Michaelman Robinson. It's his second appearance, and, and welcome, Mark. We're glad to have you back. Thank you. Great to be here. And today we've got some uh, some pretty great subjects to delve into. It's something that I think every insurance agent will struggle with and every insurance agency owner struggles with at times, especially given challenge everybody has had in hiring. And we've talked about that in, in different episodes in the past, but being able to locate an employee and bring them on is hard enough. Being able to find a licensed employee makes it even that much more challenging. And sometimes we'll get uh, an agency will get somebody on board that's either studying for their license or can't seem to pass the test or just uh, you're not getting them licensed and you're having them do some work. So we wanted to talk about you know, that conduct in an, in an agency, licensed versus unlicensed staff members and uh, the minefield that you walk when you have an unlicensed staff member. So, Mark, what do you think about that? That's a pretty wide ranging subject, but um, what can unlicensed people do in an agency? Thank, thank you, Paul. Uh, so, so this is um, an issue that, that I deal with uh, almost on a daily basis with, with insurance licensees as to what their customer service folks can do in their, in their agency, their unlicensed people, um, with respect to communications with, with, customers and communications with insurance companies. And there, there are some states that have issued um, uh, regulations specific as to what conduct is allowable. Um, typically, as we know, you need a license to solicit, negotiate, uh, or sell insurance. Um, now, there, there are some ex exemptions, and there's a whole list of them. Um, and exemptions for unlicensed people fall into a few categories, typically clerical or administrative exemptions. And in some states, the employee uh, cannot be paid any type of commission uh, for, for their conduct. And then they're, they're allowed to, um, for example, um, send out some marketing materials or they're allowed to prepare applications um, uh, and, and obtain information from customers. Um, they're allowed to advise a customer of what type of coverages they may have. Um, the unlicensed person could help with preparing endorsements, preparing certificates, um, and um, all at the direction of a licensee. Um, so they, they can do those type of things. What, what an unlicensed person cannot do is transact insurance. They can't solicit and they can't negotiate and they can't bind coverage. So examples of that would be, um, it would, would be, uh, providing a quote to a customer and explaining to the customer, uh, and analyzing the quote and saying here here are the coverages here are your premium um, requirements here are the payment um, options answering questions what's compa collision what's liability insurance really getting into what a, normally a licensee would be required to do 
um, uh, binding insurance. They don't have authority to do to that. That requires a licensee. So, so, and and what we've seen is there's been just a struggle in finding qualified licensed people. So, um, some uh, agencies have been pushing the envelope on this and allowing their unlicensed people to do a lot more. Uh, that they should be, and and it's a violation of a law. Uh, and one example I want to give on this is uh, here in California, I had a situation where a department of investigator sat outside in the parking lot, called into the agency, spoke with an unlicensed person, and pretended that they were a customer, and went through the entire quoting process, got a quote, uh, over the phone, and then walked in and and interrogated everybody in the agency. And at the end of the day, this agency owner ended up losing her license. She got license was revoked. So it's a, definitely a serious issue. Wow, that's wow. Yeah. Well, Chris, what kind of questions do you get, or do you get many questions as you're in there consulting with agencies as far as what? can somebody do or can't somebody do? What are the situations uh, you've seen? Like Mark said, every agency I go into anymore, we have this question come up hundred percent one way or another. And one of the ones that I've seen uh, a little bit more lately, last few years is it kind of is old fashioned, but not quite. And that is where if someone doesn't have the right kind of license, Maybe it's maybe they're licensed, but they don't have the right kind of license, particularly maybe a surplus license. They use somebody else's name or their their name stamp in the agency. But the person whose name stamp is being used never does anything on the policy. And um, that that I don't think, Mark, that's allowed, is it to use? Kind of like use somebody else's license in that situation. Absolutely not. You you could you can never use someone else's license or or, or stamp or or act like uh, you have an unlicensed person act as if they are the licensee. You clearly clearly a violation. And with with uh, emails and with um, uh, notes put into customer. Um, uh, you know, management systems and with some agencies recording their telephone calls with customers, uh, text messages. I mean, there's a whole host of documentation that regulators know is, is out there and will ask for or are part of a file. And if there's a consumer complaint, that's what regulators look at. They say, okay, well, who transacted this policy? Are they licensed? So, and, and, and so that's how uh, the Department of Insurance finds out uh, what's happening in a particular agency. Or, the, you know, there are unscrupulous competitor agencies who know that you have unlicensed people transacting insurance. They want a level playing field because they're spending money and time training people and getting them licensed. And the last thing they want is their competitor to have unlicensed people transacting. So they'll, they'll report you to the Department of Insurance. So those are the two main ways how regulators find out. And as far as um, uh, uh, major issues for regulators, uh, you know, stealing premium, um, 
unlicensed people at an agency and issuing fraudulent documents like fraudulent certificates. Those are the three big, big issues that regulators are looking for. So definitely something to watch out for. So this really is the, mm-hmm. the cost of doing business. If you're if mm-hmm. you're individually going to be talking to someone or transacting a, a policy, you need to have a license, not just only in in or maybe you do have a license, but you don't have the as Chris was saying, the correct license. Maybe you're going to transact a life policy or even go to another state, right? Maybe I'm licensed in in a particular state and agency has a license in another state. Somebody in the agency is licensed in a different state as well. We shouldn't put their name on that that policy as we're we're issuing it unless they're sure. doing it themselves. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 that's and there's been some you know just inadvertent uh, mistakes by by licensees themselves. You know, producers who are licensed in in particular states and don't realize that they need a license in in Texas, let's say, to sell a policy. Um, you know, where they have a customer who who normal who opened a business there. So, um, absolutely, that that can happen. And so, you know, there are some exceptions again for certain commercial policies that are issued. You know, if it's issued in California, but it may cover um, risks in other states, there are some exemptions in certain state statutes that fall over the NAIC Model Act. Um, but again, it, that that needs to be reviewed on a state by state basis. And at the end of the day, the way to avoid any of these issues is get get your people licensed. I mean, if you want customer service folks um, to 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 do more have them get licensed. It, it doesn't cost too much and and it, it just avoids these issues. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got a, a grab bag of stuff. Another thing yeah. that's I see a, a questions asked almost every time I'm at a, a, at a seminar somewhere or, or people are talking about the business, charging fees and the disclosure requirements for those. Now, I think we can kind of take a moment to make sure we give that disclaimer that we're talking in generalities here. Each state's pretty unique and and they should consult a competent legal advisor for their particular state and situation. But, uh, you know, overall on, on charging fees, can agents and brokers do it? And, and what are some things that they need to be aware of? Sure. Uh, so, so charging fees again is definitely a state by state issue. And, and here we're, I wanted to to um, bracket this is this is charging fees in connection with the procurement of insurance for the insured. Um, I'm not talking about charging fees for something outside for other services could be risk management services, could be other consulting services that a licensee may be conducting. This is for the actual selling of the policy. And uh, there are some there, there are many states that allow fees to be charged. There are some states that you cannot charge a fee. You can't charge any fee that's not set forth in the insurance company's rate filing or set forth in the policy. But in the states where you can charge fees, um, typically there's going to be a state required disclosure that needs to be made um, to the insured. Some is some states it's just a disclosure that you provide in writing. Um, again, you have to retain it for whatever the period of time, you typically five years. Some states require the insured to sign the, the, the document. Um, some states only allowed 
allow a broker to charge a fee. That's California. Only brokers can charge fees, not agents. Where in Texas, an agent can charge a fee because they don't have brokers anymore. Uh, they, they're all agents. So, um, but again, the, the disclosure is required. Um, the amount of the fee, you know, Alabama for property and casualty has specific fees that you can charge. They have a list. I think it's $30 for an application where other, uh, you know, other states and maybe $35 for, um, you know, for a, uh, for an auto policy. Um, uh, Louisiana has limitations on how much you can charge. If there are no limitations, then it needs to be reasonably related to the services that are provided. So if you have a $1,000 premium and you charge a $1,000 fee, that's probably not gonna go over well with a regulator. But if it's reasonably related, if it's a $100 fee and you can show a regulator, yeah, here's my, my labor cost, here's my hard cost, here's, you know, I, I had to do contact third parties, get motor vehicle reports. I did all these different services um, to justify that fee. Then, then, then you're good, and you have the proper disclosure form, and you're allowed to charge it in that particular state. So, again, state by state review on those. So, fees definitely, definitely a yes, but you have to do right. your homework. And I know Chris um, can work with some folks is, so they don't have to reinvent the wheel, start from scratch. And you do right. have a lot of research there for right. across the country. So, it's not just your home state, but especially if you're crossing state lines again to sell, you need to be aware of the nuances. Um, even if you're doing it right in your own backyard, you may be doing it wrong you know, in the state next that's door. A, that's a really important point. And there's not a lot of law firms out there that have a database as broad as Mark's firm on this subject. So any listeners that are doing multi-state approaches, especially with fees, um, you need a law firm that can advise you appropriately across the board. It's really important. I like I like to bring up one other point about these procurement associated fees that I find a lot of agents are surprised by. A lot of carriers are now excluding all premiums associated with policies to whom to which the agencies attached a fee under their contingency calculations. So they get real surprised when they get their contingency and it's a lot smaller than they expected. And they ask the carrier about it and the carrier goes, well, yeah, it's because you charged a fee. So didn't you read the contract? We exclude all of that business. So when you go to charge fees, just go back to your contingencies and check to see maybe the fee is not worth it if you're going to lose X amount on your contingencies. Just double check on that point. That, Devil is in the details. Yes, absolutely. That's a great point to, to, to look at your, your agreement with the carrier um, on that. And, and then there's also distinctions. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm primarily referring to retail uh, property and casualty business. If, you're, uh, if it's accident, health, or life, you got to look at the laws specific to that. Um, there is also more leniency for commercial versus personal lines. Now, personal lines, the laws may be more restrictive than for commercial business because typically dealing with more sophisticated buyers, consumers when you're on the commercial side. 
There's also fees that intermediaries will charge, you know, your wholesaler or your um, surplus lines broker. Um, and uh, so, so they may be charging a fee and, and some states have restrictions on, on those fees, surplus lines brokers, the fee may be taxable in certain states and some states it's not taxable. So again, uh, it, it's all hodgepodge and, and it's really important to, to, to get some, some advice on this. Really is. Yeah. And one other thing I'd like to point out here is just because it might be complicated and probably and just because you probably need legal advice before you do fees. Don't walk away from them just on that, because in a lot of places, especially as hard as the property market is right now across the country, you might be doing so much work that your commission doesn't cover your cost. And if you have the opportunity to charge a fee, and do it right. I encourage people to really think about charging fees. Um, people are putting in a lot of hours trying to get property placed right now. And sometimes the only way to get that to break even is to charge that fee. So don't walk away just because it might be complicated or new to you. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Um, well, one other question, I guess we'll end on this one that people are often asking as well is the is the referral fees right the agency's charging a fee but if you're out there trying to generate some business you finally place that property policy and now you want to go after a new customer um how does that work can we what kind of things can we pay to non-licensed partners maybe you have a marketing firm or a or a, a realtor you do business with uh, and you want to drive some some referral activity from them. Sure. So, so this is another area where, where again, it's a state by state um, analysis. Uh, there are some states that have specific statutes, regulations, or they've issued guidance, uh, an insurance bulletin as to what their position is on on paying some sort of co paying compensation to an unlicensed person who refers you a customer. Um, the, the, the general rule is in states that don't have any any authority is that you can um, you can pay a, a reasonable a referral fee to a non-licensed person as long as it's not tied to the sale of insurance. In other words, uh, you, you can't you can't. Um, Say okay, well, I'll pay you a referral fee if I actually sell the policy. So, so in those situations, you see it tied to the quote. So, if if a quote is obtained, uh, then the twenty five dollar referral fee is is paid. Um, uh, and then the, the other the other point that regulators look at is the unlicensed person cannot transact insurance, so they can't solicit, negotiate, or sell the policy. So if they just refer the customer over um, uh, and 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 they get a, you know a gift card or $25 referral fee, um, then then that's allowed. Now um, uh, and and the one other issue is that customer, that non-licensed person, if they're a customer of the agency, now you have a rebating or inducement issue. So if the person receiving a referral fee is a customer, we also need to look at 
what the limitations are or restrictions on paying any type of compensation to a customer. And states have changed their laws on rebating uh, and it, uh, over the years and now allow, some states allow $100 up to $200 um, to, to, uh, that you can pay per policy period to a customer in the form of, uh, it could be a gift card or, or what have you. Um, so those are the, the general rules. Now, there are states that have specific uh, rules. So like, for example, New York um, states that you uh, you can pay a referral fee um, as long as there, there's no discussion as to specific policy terms or conditions by the the uh, non-licensed person who's receiving a referral fee, and it's not tied to the sale of insurance. Similar type of statute is in Texas. So again, it, it, it's allowed um, in a lot of states, but we, we need to look and see what the specific requirements are. Hey, Mark, um, do you know if any state has, um, I know the NAIC had wrote a model law affecting fees and rebating, I think it was um, the end of uh, 21 that they finished that model law, if I remember correctly. Do you know if any states have adopted that model law yet? Yeah, a number of states have have adopted it and and uh, through legislation and may have tweaked it a bit. But but again, that goes to to uh, certain types of services that a licensee can provide to a client. Um, so, so this deals with the, re the anti-rebating, anti-inducement statutes, and it gives leeway for a number of, 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 of things such as um, uh, and value-added services, basically, that you would provide to your customer that used to be, if you didn't charge a fee for it, it was considered, um, you know, potentially rebating or giving free services. Uh, and, but now that's changed. And again, that's that's a a state by state review, but very important to take a look at. Um, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Mark, for joining us today. That was a fantastic insight. Just kind of to recap, right? Get everybody licensed. So yeah. it just makes it easier not to do that. Definitely go out and charge some fees, uh, but get get good advice. Um and I know your firm and, and Chris can help out building the Chris can build the business model. You can help give that legal guidance. That's just a phenomenal opportunity for agents. And then um, generate those referrals, but make sure that you're you're paying folks for it right. So any closing thoughts, Chris or Mark, that you have? You know, I think this is just a great topic for everybody listening, all the agents listening, and some of the carrier people that I know listening too. Um, because I know some of the carrier people out there might be a little frustrated or might should do a little bit more investigation into whether all their agents are licensed um, and how we can build these models more constructively. So this is just a great, this is just a great topic. And now you have a great legal, everyone listening knows they have a great legal source um, that specializes in insurance and has this information. So thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. And, and, uh, it Again, great topic. I could have spent two hours on each subject, but uh, so if anyone has questions, feel free to reach out. You can reach me. Uh, on, you can find my contact information on our website, which is uh, uh, www.mrllp.com. And you practice nationally all through the country, right? That's correct. Okay. 
Awesome. And we'll, and we'll link to it in the, uh, the show notes as well for this one. We'll have the, the link there as we publish the episode. So we really appreciate uh, everybody taking the time to listen and we'll talk to you next time.